Well, hello there, my friends and fibromyalgia warriors. And please know I mean warriors in the most loving way. I have a lot of compassion for all women with fibromyalgia and chronic pain. Welcome to episode number two of my podcast, Winning at Fibromyalgia. I am Dr. Martina Ziegenbein, a rheumatologist and an executive producer of the podcast. Today's episode title is How Does Fibromyalgia Pain Come to Be? One of my girlfriends just emailed me a few moments ago asking me about a follow-up episode from the first one last week. Thank you, Sandy. I am a few hours behind on recording and I want to share with you the reason. I was told in the past that I talk too fast sometimes and I'm also a little self-conscious about not being a native speaker. So I always think uh, about a way to best or optimally express myself so that I can be well understood. And in this case, it may have caused a little bit of a paralysis. So here I go. So in the first episode last week, I explained the difference between acute and chronic pain. The biggest contrast between the two of them is that acute pain comes from neurons in the injured tissues and the neuroplastic pain comes from misfiring neurons in the brain. Uh, both pains are processed in the brain, however, um, and in the case of neuroplastic pain, brain is changed in a way that reinforces chronic pain. The neurons in the brain are misinterpreting safe signals or neutral signals from the body as if they were dangerous. I feel it is important to stress again that both pains feel the same and are real. The pain of fibromyalgia and any chronic pain for that matter is real. I think it's important to keep stressing that. Based on our current knowledge, however, there is no damage to the tissues that are hurting in patients with fibromyalgia. So what is going on? So I'll give you a short answer first, and then I will explain it. All is connected to stress, emotions, and fear. So It is a common knowledge that stress can cause physical reactions. My face, for example, turns red when I'm embarrassed. That's because my emotions cause the autonomic nervous system to increase blood flow to my face. For somebody else, it can be sweaty palms when they're nervous or upset stomach or headache. These are not signs of disease, just normal physical reaction to stressful events and um, the mechanisms of the body-mind syndrome. Stress causes emotions that cause our bodies to react by producing physical symptoms. The symptoms are real. What is not common knowledge, however, is that stress and emotions can create the neural pathways that can cause chronic and often severe physical symptoms. And the cure for such chronic pain is not a drug, but rather to identify and treat the underlying cause. And for many people, it is that emotional reactions to stress trigger neural pathways or circuits that create physical pain. So let's talk about uh, the autonomous nervous system a little bit. During the times of stress, the emotion-based network sends signals to activate this autonomous nervous system and produce hormones cortisol and adrenaline. These turn on a fight or flight reaction. That's a system that directs blood flow to muscles to get our body ready for either run or battle and it causes our bodies to react instantly before we are even aware of what is going on. 
It is meant to protect us from danger and improve our chances of survival. So, for example, when we see a squiggly thing on the uh, ground, when we walk in the woods, we don't jump, we don't investigate, we jump back. At least I do. We don't stop to see, oh, is it really a snake? Maybe some people do. <laughs> um, the autonomic nerve system controls the nerve fibers that affect every area in our body. Studies have shown, for example, that emotions such as anxiety or anger cause increased tension in the back muscles of people with chronic back pain. And um, this muscle tension can cause severe and real physical pain. Often we are not aware of the emotions that are triggering these automatic physical responses. Um, our autonomous nervous system can cause a large variety of physical symptoms. And these include tingling, numbness, burning sensation, dizziness, tinnitus, anxiety, abdominal pain, heartburn. You get the idea, the list is really long. Brain, our brains have a very complex mechanism to handle pain, and these involve many structures. Um, one part of this mechanism is anterior cingulate cortex. Emotional responses increase activity in this area of our brain, and that causes pain to be amplified. Uh, functional MRIs studies have shown that when our anterior cingulate cortex is activated, the pain is increased. We know that ex emotional experiences in childhood are imprinted in the brain. Babies that are exposed to repeat blood draws within the first few weeks of life have been found to have increased pain when they have medical procedures several months later. Adults who are exposed to traumatic events in childhood, such as emotional, physical, or sexual abuse, have a much higher chance of developing chronic pain. Chronic stress produces increased sensitivity to pain in the brain, spinal cord, and the nerves. Certain cytokines are released during the times of stress, and these cytokines cause cells and nerve endings to be more sensitive to pain. At least one study showed that adults with chronically elevated cortisol levels are more likely to develop pain, and this further cemented the relationship between chronic stress and chronic pain. Our brains have trouble dealing with chronic stresses of modern, line, modern life. When the stress becomes chronic and we feel trapped in situations for which there doesn't seem to be an easy way out, we can easy, easily develop a set of neural circuits that are painful. Many patients I have worked with started experiencing pain shortly after or during a stressful situation in their lives. Um, uh, with many uh, other patients, it was their past experiences of exposure to physical, emotional, or sexual abuse that predisposed them to chronic pain. Certain behaviors, such as worrying, self-criticism, and putting pressure on ourselves can also set up stage for chronic pain. And they do, they do that by putting our nervous system on in the state of high alert or chronic flight and fight reaction. So how does an acute injury evolve into chronic pain in the setting of stress? It can be a sprain, fracture, or strain. Most injuries heal within several weeks. And after that, if the pain does not go away, something else is usually going on. Many times patients feel that the injury never healed and that there are misalignments or scarring that continues to cause pain, but this is not really supported by research. Even if there is a scar issue, scar tissue by itself does not cause pain. 
the injury triggered a series of events that led to the vicious cycle of pain. In the setting of stressful life circumstances occurring around the same time as the injury, nerves that carry danger signals from the site of injury to the brain are activated for a prolonged time. They become sensitized, meaning they are more likely to fire and send more danger signals with lesser amounts of tissue activations. And these small nerve fibers learn to react to even very minor changes, such as tense muscles, which are easily triggered by an overly active autonomous nervous system. And as previously mentioned, the anterior cingulate cortex. These tiny nerves eventually start affecting the brain through communications to the brain with other neurons. These areas of painful sensation in the brain are also become sensitized. They continue to experience pain and bam, this is where the scientists use the term neuroplasticity or brain reorganization, the brain ability to create new pain pathways. And I want to stop here just for a moment and mention that this is good news because just as the brain can learn new pathways, it can unlearn it. And we'll talk about that in future episodes. So um, what I mentioned above is also referred to as body-mind syndrome, um, and it's used to express the connection between the reaction symptoms in the body and the brain. One of the best examples of the mind-body syndrome is phantom limb syndrome. People who had their limbs amputated continue to feel pain in the extremity that is no longer attached. That's because brain reorganization and nerve sensitization happened. A group of researchers tried to determine whether the brain could actually create pain. It is described in the books by Dr. Alan Gordon in his uh, book, Way Out, and Dr. Schubiner's book, Unlearn Your Pain. Um, it was researchers at University of Pittsburgh uh, looked into hypnosis and pain. They placed subjects uh, in a functional MRI machine and administered pain with a hot probe. The pain regions of the participants' brain lit up. Then the scientists took the same subject and hypnotized them and induced pain through suggestion or hypnosis. The exact areas of their brains lit up on these functional MRIs. So whether the pain was induced physically or through hypnosis, the sensation was the same. So this was the first evidence that the brain can indeed create pain that is indistinguishable from the pain caused by stimulation of nerve fibers in the tissues. Real pain can be caused by either physical disease or by neuroplastic processes that create these learned neural circuits. The fact is that all pain is experienced in the brain and we cannot have pain without activation of the pain pathways in the brain. But this is all to explain that the previous um, saying to women uh, with fibromyalgia when they said you have it, the pain is in your head. No, the pain is not in the head. It is in the brain. So this concludes our second episode. If you liked it, please share with friends or anybody who might find it useful or write a review. If you're interested to learn more or have feedback for me, please head on to my website, martinaziegenbeinmdcoaching.com, spelling M-A-R-T-I-N-A-Z-I-E-G-E-N-B-E-I-N-M-D-Coaching.com and contact me. I look forward to speaking with you next week again.